Welcome to season three of Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I talk about life after divorce with a playful, fresh, out-of-the-box perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, spicy conversations, and tips to happiness. Are you ready to turn your setback into a comeback? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get started on your new beginning. Welcome to Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast. I'm so excited to be with you today. It is the day before Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? I know time moves so quickly. Of course, I have to ask, what are you feeling grateful for this Thanksgiving? One thing I am feeling especially grateful for this year are all the conversations that I've had with you and my guests about the comeback after divorce this season. You know, I, I love a chewy chat, especially one that's about gratitude after divorce, which is why I've decided to give you another helping of thank you divorce. So today I am repeating episode 40 from season one with my fabulous guest, author of the best-selling memoir, Available, Laura Friedman Williams. Our conversation, like her book, it's playful, juicy, and extremely candid. You'll also find a new comeback tip later in the episode, so listen for that. All right, let's get this post-divorce attitude of gratitude started with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. I am so excited to ask my delicious guest, author Laura Friedman Williams, some burning questions. Are you ready for the 60 seconds of delicious fun, Laura? I'm so ready. <laughs> she's in her workout clothes, so she's so ready. <laughs> All right, here we go. 60 seconds are on the clock, and these questions have been tailored just for you. Pumpkin or pecan pie? Pecan. What's a warm-up exercise you do as a writer? I'm staring at the screen for 10 minutes and doing nothing. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much fun is sex after divorce? I'm sorry, what's the cap on that? <laughs> <laughs> She's going for the 10. Do you yeah. think turkeys are cute? No. Funny women are? I, I want to name them. Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Ali Wong. Just They just make me smile and laugh and they're strong. They're fierce. Do you, Badass. They sure are. Do you swear yeah. more or less now since you've been divorced? More. Right. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you like editing pages? Kind of a 10, to be honest. What's a tip you'd give to anyone writing a memoir? Be honest. Would you consider yourself spicy, playful, or delicious? Mm, can I be all three? Sure. <laughs> Just like that pecan pie. What's but one I'll thing go with delicious. Delicious. You are delicious. Yeah. What's yeah one, thank you. What's one thing you wish men understood about women? That they might need a little extra help orgasming. Who is one of your favorite authors? Oh boy, I have so many. Uh, Anne Lamott. Love her. What's the best mm. thing you've discovered about yourself after divorce? That I love to have sex. And if you complete the sentence, thank you, divorce, for freeing me. Mm. Well, Laura, you have written a, a hilarious memoir. I haven't read it yet. I am absolutely going to, especially after this delicious conversation, but I've read <laughs> the reviews on Amazon and okay. the reviews that I read, everyone was raving about your inspiring, funny, raw, real story. But what the reviews didn't mention is that your divorce was not by choice. This is very true. The divorce was really thrust upon me um, when I found out that my husband was having an affair. 
And I made the choice after that to have a divorce. I, I think that we, he, he was open to reconciling, but I couldn't get past it. And um, for me, that was such a seismic shift. I didn't see it coming. It was a very big shock to me, but it led me to understand that things weren't exactly as I had thought they were. And of course, you probably go in more detail about this in, in the memoir. A lot. Yeah. And I'm very open about it. I mean, I think for me, what was hardest about, it wasn't just the betrayal. It wasn't just the sexual betrayal and the fact that he'd fallen in love with another woman. It was the fact that he was feeling unhappy in our life together where I was feeling really settled and happy. And that to me was like the biggest betrayal in a way that our versions of the same life were so different. And it really caused me to do a massive re-examination and very painful, but ultimately rewarding re-examination of my life. And that examination led to a memoir. Yeah. And what was it? it I, yeah. Was a healing process for you to write this memoir? Very. And I wasn't really expect I wasn't really approaching it as a healing process. I really thought of it more as a fun project. You know, the the um stories, like just some of the things that were happening to me along the dating path were funny. I hadn't been single in 27 years. And some of the things I was finding as a 47-year-old woman who'd had three kids and was now you know back in the dating world were just funny, you know, involving dogs that were eyeing me while having sex or, you know, a broken rib, which at the time wasn't that funny, but was kind of funny later. So I wanted to write that. But then as I, as I started writing, I realized I wanted to be honest. Like you just asked me those burning questions. What's most important thing. And that wasn't the full story. And if I was going to be honest, the full story was that I was heartbroken and on my knees and completely bereft. And it was a process to get myself to the point where I wanted to date again. So I, when I started writing, it was the same sort of process where I felt that I had to be, I had to show both sides of the coin. So it ended up being incredibly cathartic process for me because it really helped me untangle some of the thoughts that I really hadn't addressed so fully yet. And, you know, this episode isn't about betrayal in the sense of infidelity, but more of a, a question about the gratitude that you are now experiencing once you've gotten through the grief from the betrayal. And I'd love to hear more about that from you. How do you get to a place of such gratitude after going through something so devastating? Yeah, it's such a good question. It's a process for sure, right? This is not something that's going to happen overnight. I think a lot of it has to do with mindset and there is a lot that you can control in the way that you view things. And that is going to really alter the outcome. I had um, a sort of epiphany one day. I was, um, I bumped into a woman I knew and she asked me, I mentioned that I was separated and she said, who's your, who's your judge? And I said, I don't have a, ju- I don't know what you mean. She said, there's only like two judges in the family court. Which one do you have? And I said, oh, I'm not up to that yet. And she said, who's your lawyer? And I said, I'm not even up to that yet. I, we're just separated. And she walked away and I thought, that's the energy I never want to have Mm. that anger and bitterness that that was that that's what it comes down to. Like, instead of saying to someone kindly, wow, I've been in your shoes. I hope you're okay. Or this is really painful. You're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just a softness. Mm. It was just, it was so hard. It Mm. was such an aggressive approach to finding out that somebody was getting divorced. And it really, for me, was like a very seismic shift in understanding that I needed to own the process. I couldn't let the process own me. So the tables turned a little bit because I started to think, well, what am I grateful for? I never had lost being grateful for all the things I knew I had. My family, my three children, um, my my parents, my friends, you know, my siblings, like this extended network and community. I never stopped being grateful for those things. And if anything, I felt that much more grateful. I couldn't believe the way that people in my life showed up for me. 
Mm-hmm. I was never somebody who wanted to ask for help. Uh, I, was, I was always the one who people came to for guidance and resources. And so it was very hard to humble myself, to ask for help, to just sit with friends and let them watch me just cry, you know, and that that was how they could be there for me. So my gratitude for them immediately increased. I couldn't believe how lucky I was. And when I would say to my friends, I am so lucky to have you, they'd say, you've always been here for us. This is just, it's our chance to give back to you. So I was, I was grateful to be, to have had all those years to have been a good friend. That was something else I understood saying I was grateful for my health. That's not a small thing. I was a woman in my late forties and very good health. I was grateful for that. So I think I started to look at all the things in my life that I was grateful for. And, and then I started your anxiety some, because I know that's a connect. There's a correlation between practicing gratitude and how it decreases anxiety. Do you think that helped do that? I think somewhat, you know, the hardest thing, obviously, well, it's not the hardest thing, but one of the hardest things about divorce is that you have to rethink your entire future. And that's terrifying, right? That's one of the things that we look at and think, well, I thought my future was going to be set in stone. I saw it. And now someone's taken a jackhammer to it. Now, what do I do? And I can't see, can't predict anything. I don't know my income. I don't know who I'm going to be with. Am I going to be alone? Who am I going to put on my emergency form? All those things. So yeah, I think having like faith that my people were going to catch me no matter what, that that was not an issue. You're always going to have someone to put on that form. You're always going to have someone to catch you. You're always going to have someone to bring you soup when you're sick. So yes, that definitely reduced my anxiety. And then once I was able to sort of acknowledge all the ways in which my life was still working really well and all that I had, I was also able to look at the divorce and think, how am I possibly better off now? In what ways am I open and free and available in a way that I wasn't when I was married? Right. And actually that's a great segue because your memoir (laughs) is titled Available. Yes. And you're just now sharing how you've become more available for yourself. I'd love to hear more. Yeah. I think that we, I was in a, I don't want to say I was in a box, but a little bit of like these walls that I had really erected around myself. And I think that my husband and I participated in doing that together where I had a very set role in our home as his wife and as a mom to our kids. I was a stay-at-home mom for close to 20 years. And I, we really, in many ways had become like a 1950s couple where he'd he'd handle the finances. He made money. He came and went as he wanted to. I was home with the children. I did all the cooking, all the, you know, maintenance of the house, school work, et cetera. And so all of a sudden I discovered that I was a a person, Hmm. not just a mom and not just a wife. And truly, and clearly not- you discovered you were a sexual being, which I'm so happy to hear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that was part of it. You know, part, that was a huge part of it. It was like being able to say, what do I have that I didn't have before? Well, um, I have a recognition of myself as a woman. I really hadn't had that in like 20 years. You know, my daughter's now 21 years old. It had been a long time since I had looked at myself as a sexual being, as a woman with a private life that that was not owned by everybody in her family. So even just the very act of having sex for the first time awakened in me this realization that you are still a whole person. There's a lot you, of life you in have, you. There's a lot, a lot of life of t- that has been completely suppressed. Right. A lot of life to still experience new things. And that was huge. So that, exciting. I hadn't, it was thrilling. I remember yes. the morning after <laughs> I had sex with a man for the first time. It was a one night stand. Ooh, I'm, and le- I'm leaning in. in. I, <laughs> one night stand. Say that again. 
really, was really a, juicy was, over here, listener. <laughs> I hope you're leaning in like I am. It was a good story. Oh, I'm sure it's um, in and the I book, woke up, which is why we're all going to read oh, it. Oh, yeah. It starts the book. It starts the book because it really started my new, my journey. Mm-hmm. And I woke up the next morning and I just, I remember just looking at myself, you know, my body and like touching myself and thinking, um, wow, like this is all mine. Like no, no. And whatever's inside of me, my, my thoughts, my beliefs, my boldness, that's mine too. That's like, a lot to be grateful for. Astonishing. Just that Huge. acknowledgement of that power you Huge. have for yourself. I love yep. that. So, yeah. you know, one thing I, I will share about my journey just to connect the dots here is I've done a lot of dating since my divorce and I've had a few one night stands myself. I've <laughs> found them to be empowering until I'm, you know, now I'm like, okay, I've done that, been there, done that. But um, yeah. I guess my question now is how do you how do you become more available for someone else in a more intimate way, a more romantic way after going through a divorce because of infidelity? See, I, my, my mm. divorce, that, that's not why I, I got divorced. And I, I still struggle with vulnerability. And, and, you know, if I would have been the one where, where my partner would have been the one cheating on me, I, I think that would add another layer. So I'm curious to hear from you, since you've been doing a lot of dating as well yeah. since your divorce, how are you becoming more emotionally available? Because we women aren't necessarily emotionally available either. We always kind of point yeah. the finger at the man. But I know for myself, like, mm, I probably could work on that, Sadie, become a little more emotionally available and more vulnerable. So how would you, how would you answer that? I'm so curious. It's such a good question because I think, again, I'm going to say it's a process. I, in the beginning, I think I was very, I was always had a lot of confidence in myself, but I didn't have a lot of confidence sexually. And I was pretty sure that as I started sleeping with people again, you know, as I said, like the last first person I slept with, I was 20 years old and now I'm 47. I was pretty sure that somebody was going to find something alarming, you know, and be like, okay, let me stop you in your tracks. You are not whole or you are not, you know, something is off with you. And when it didn't happen, I had this sort of confirmation, like, okay, I still got it. I'm intact and I like it. Not only do I have it, I like it. Um, and so I had a lot of one night stands. Everything I was doing was super casual. I was right. no I interest that in phase. more than that. Oh, that was a fun phase. <laughs> it was so much fun. Such it was like my sowing my wild O's phase. And then right. after like a bunch of men, I was exhausted. Like I was like, I know I'm done because now I would just rather go home and get into bed by myself. And I, that's how I knew that my wild oats were like calming down. Right. So in terms of being available, I think I've always been a very trusting person. Mm-hmm. So even like, even when I was married, my husband traveled a lot for work. He came home very late hours. He was often not reachable. I never, it never even crossed my mind that he could have an affair. We would grown up together in my Mm. mind. We, we were family. And so you would never do something like that to your family. So we never, I never even thought about it. And I guess I tell you the truth. I really am still a very trusting person. I I don't, what what has changed is not my trust in people. It's like, yes, I've been burned. um, But I understand now I spent a lot of time thinking about why it happened to understand my own part in it. Mm -hmm. And so to not be the victim, to not be the victim, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's, That's important. it's not, well, I think what's very important is any relationship is a two-way street mm-hmm. and you have to, at some point you could say I was wronged, but wh- why, how did that happen? What did I do to m- allow this person to behave this way? I'm not blaming myself. I mean, in the beginning, I think my husband was so upset with himself and so ashamed mm-hmm. that he was very quick to blame me. It was 
like what I, the lack of love I'd given caused him to have an affair. And I, a part of me resented that. And a part of me was like, yeah, obviously Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about our dynamic and what I had not paid attention to and what he hadn't done. So that I understood in a 360 degree way where we were both at fault. And so I think as a result, truthfully, my my trust did not fade. I still trusted people. What changed was not my ability to be vulnerable. I had that, but what, what had changed was my ability, my, sorry, my desire to want a really sort of embedded relationship because I had it for 27 years. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm loving now is being in a relationship that also has a lot of freedom. And so that's what's changed. My faith that I won't be betrayed. If, if I got betrayed today, I think I'd be just as astonished as I was by my husband. It would it would shock me just as much. But I just did not, I guess I, I was very determined not to let my inner self, the self I really believed myself to be, to be negatively altered by the, the results of his actions. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think I think that the core of who you are stays the same, even if you go through something traumatic. It's still, if you're a trusting person or a kind person, it's going to stay consistent regardless. Yeah. I yeah, I think so. I don't know that I knew that. And that's another mm. thing I'm grateful for, right. to be honest with you. You know, that's that bringing back to gratitude. I would say I'm grateful to be me. You know, I'm grateful mm. to hold those beliefs, to hold, to hold those feelings. And I'm grateful that even in the face of trauma, you know, being betrayed by a partner after so many years together, that I still was able to stay true to myself. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I, it was like, I, I got to stay true to myself, but then be a little bit of a different version. So what would you say to someone who's listening today who is still stuck in that trauma of, of betrayal, whether it's a partner sexually betrayed them or financially betrayed them? Betrayals, there's a continuum of betrayal. It's not just around sex. Yeah, absolutely. What would you I say think- to that listener? I think the important thing is to forgive and move on. And forgiving doesn't always mean forgetting. It doesn't mean you're letting that person off the hook or that you're forgetting that it happened or not acknowledging it in a deep and meaningful way, but that you're making peace with it. Because truthfully, the person you punish the most by not doing it is yourself. Absolutely. And when I realized that, and even in since then, you know, I've had ups and downs with my ex-husband. We've had moments of being like best friends again, and then we've hit some bumps. And when we hit a bump and I'm really angry, I think I've got to get back to that other place. I don't want to be this angry person. It's not natural for me to be this. I love myself too much to stay in that angry place is what I Yeah. And I have too much Mm self-respect. Like I hold my head high and you can't hold your head high and also, you know, not be speaking to your ex-husband in front of your children. To me, that's these things don't gel. So I think preserving my dignity and my self-respect and always knowing I'm going to always be able to hold my head high. There's nothing I'm, I don't regret. And there's something I feel ashamed of. And if I, if there is something, then I've already reached out to those people to say, I'm sorry, I did those things. So I think a lot of, it's just about letting go. It doesn't mean you're okaying it. It doesn't mean you're condoning it. It just means you're acknowledging that you might never get the apology that you need. Right. You might never get the acknowledgement. You have to find but that, that closure you for yourself. To, exactly. Mm-hmm. You can, and you can do it. Oh, absolutely. You can. Yep. It, it just can be done. Work. Right. Right. Yep. That intention. It takes the work. Mm-hmm. So beyond amazing sex and uh, so many playful dates and re- writing an incredible memoir, <laughs> what else have you become more available for in your life now since divorce? We'll end with that question. Well, I think the writing and the sex were sort of hand in hand in that they both gave me a voice back. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. that in my marriage, I really had lost a huge part of myself. And I, and I thought 
I was very happy. I thought I had a very rich and full life filled with people I loved and a beautiful home and a lot of structure and order. And what I discovered when I got my own voice back was that I would walk away from those things a hundred more times to get back the part of myself that was lost. So I feel I'm very just available to live. I'm available for a new chapter. I'm not afraid anymore of what's next. Actually, just this afternoon finished putting together my resume. It's the first one I've done in 20 years. Mm, It's like, I'm available to work. I'm available to be, to change careers. I'm available to, you know, to, to still number one priority is always going to be mothering my children. But as they get older now, two of them are in college. So I only have one still home with me. I have more time availability and I'm not interested in filling it in the same ways I've always filled it. I want things that are new and different now. And I can do that now because I answer to myself. Mm. I think you are my sister from another mister. (laughs) Laura Friedman Williams. That's what I think after this chat. I love it. That's perfect. Well, um, yeah. So how can the listener find you, purchase your book? Thank you. Um, I'm on social media. So if anybody wants to DM me on Instagram, I'm at Laura Friedman Williams. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Medium, all uh, Laura Friedman Williams. And if anybody wants to reach out to me to tell me something or share a thought, I always answer. I love to hear from people and know that I've been able to um, offer some comfort or inspiration to people. That means everything to me. I do a lot of writing personal essays on Medium so people can find me there. And then my book is available on Amazon. Right now it's only available, I think, on Amazon and as an audio or an ebook in the spring when it comes out. On Audible. On Audible, yeah. It's on Audible. I narrated it. So it's my own telling of my story, which is fun. Um, And as a Kindle version, you can download it or the hardcover from Amazon. And in May, when it comes out paperback, it will also be available at more independent bookstores, which I always like to encourage people to shop at. So if um, anyone wants to wait, they can wait for for May for the paperback. But otherwise, there's many forms it can be found in right now. Well, I am so grateful that you were available to talk to me today. Thank you so much, Laura. What a treat. Thank you. I love me some Laura Friedman Williams. It was so fun to listen to that conversation again. My sister from another mister. Did our chat make you feel more ready to rediscover and embrace the sexy new you waiting to reveal herself? Well, definitely check out Laura's book for more tips and her stories are just so delicious. You'll find the links to her book in the show notes. I love that conversation with Laura because it reminds me that there is so much to be thankful for despite the pain from divorce. I say we continue this topic of gratitude with a comeback tip. Say these tips to happiness. There's a quote by Marcel Proust. Let us be grateful to the people who make us happy. They are the charming gardeners who make our souls blossom. Thanksgiving is always a time when we stop and reflect on all that we are grateful for in our lives. It's the perfect time to remind ourselves that even when in the midst of challenging times, because there are plenty of those, there is so much for which we can be thankful. There are a lot of benefits to living with a focus on gratitude, better physical health, deeper friendships, better sleep, mental wellness, enhanced empathy, and even reduced aggression. 
Proust's quote is particularly meaningful to me because I have had so many people who have offered their love and support to me on my comeback journey, something that I have so much gratitude for. I've been working on practicing gratitude as more of a lifestyle and something that I have been doing every day when I wake up is I share one thing. I say one thing to myself that I am feeling grateful for and it just, it helps me set a tone for my day that it gives me more energy. It gives me more positivity it helps my focus be on what's working versus what's not. So my comeback tip for you today is I want you to try this. Try try stating one thing each day that you are grateful for, ideally when you start your day in the morning. Also, tell one of the charming gardeners in your life that you are grateful for them. And just see, just see if the burden that you've been carrying on your comeback journey becomes, you know, a little bit lighter. Happy Thanksgiving, friend. And you've got this. And remember, it's all leading to your comeback. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and of course, review the podcast. And I want you to be part of this Life After Divorce community by following me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and TikTok at Sadie's Divorced and Happy. Be sure to also visit my website, divorcedandhappy.net, to download Sadie's 8 Tips to Happiness. You'll also find all of my podcast episodes on my website as well. If you've found value in my podcast, consider being an official sponsor. Email contact at divorcedandhappy.net to learn more about this tasty opportunity. And speaking of tasty, you can also buy me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee backslash Sadie Marie, and you can buy me a cup or two, and I thank you for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another round of content created to kickstart your comeback.